Welcome to Redefiners, a podcast designed for daring leaders who are changing what it means to lead in today's increasingly complex world. I'm Nanas Motoshami, a leadership advisor at Russell Reynolds Associates. And I'm Clark Murphy, the former chief executive and also a leadership advisor. Nanas and I have spent our careers exploring what works and what's next in the realm of leadership. In each episode, we ask our guests deep and provocative questions about how they've challenged the norms and how they've redefined their organizations and ultimately themselves as leaders. Also, you can answer this one question. How are you redefining your leadership? Perhaps the boldest question yet. Conversations that matter. Inspiration for us all, whether you're kicking off your career or crafting your legacy. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our mid-season review of Redefiners. It's great to be back, Clark. Nanaz, we don't let you leave. Whatever you think might be the case. Great to have you back. This is always the fun one, the mid-season review of what we've learned and everything else. So, fantastic. I agree, Clark. It's such a good time to take a moment to stop, to reflect, and just go back through all the amazing insights and advice that our guests have shared with us. And I don't know about you, Clark, but this has been yet again, another year with lots of change and uncertainty. And so good to take a moment to reflect. You know, I agree to Nas. I think this is probably the world we live in and therefore leaders either have adjusted or need to adjust to this rapidly changing world. Well, and some of these conversations and insights will hopefully be inspiration for us to redefine the world that we're living in, which is the whole point of this podcast. I agree, Nanaz. And to remind our listeners that our purpose at Russell Reynolds Associates is to improve the way the world is led. And what does that mean? It means our mission is helping our clients select great leaders, and in some cases, transformational leaders. That's not always easy, to say the least, and it can happen in unexpected ways. But those moments of transformation inspire us to continue to learn and to grow in our careers. So for our listeners, this kind of mid-season episode is, is condensing how you can learn and you can be that transformational leader. And Clark, as you've talked about in many of these episodes, what we see in great leaders today, that it's almost more important for them to have high LQ learning quotient than it is IQ and EQ. And that's ultimately what will help them embrace the change and deal with the uncertainty in order to transform their organizations. Our conversations this year focused on a lot of transformation in us and a number of themes that many of our listeners are working on in their organizations today. But the common theme is leadership. We need leaders to lead, to make bold decisions, to listen to markets, to stay close to their customers. Whether it's a nonprofit, a museum, a global corporation, leadership is the key to dealing with a rapidly changing world. Absolutely. Leadership in so many different ways is what we heard about, right? It was leadership to overcome what was previously thought to be completely impossible It was leadership to create unforgettable experiences that increase customer loyalty. It was leadership to build sustainability, something that's kind of core and dear to you. And leadership to help teams overcome adversity. And actually, perhaps most important of all, leadership to inspire us to all just be better people. I agree. And looking back at our guests so far this season, so many moments stand out and have stayed with me, whether it's Ram Sharan's career advice It's Chris Voorhees saying, I'm going to put a rover on Mars and it's going to work. It's this the way they look at what they do and how they got there and their advice to us. That's, That's, to me, the takeaway for this episode. 
Absolutely. So let's get going, Clark. Let's start with a topic that's critical to not just our business, but actually more broadly to our planet and something that you are a little bit of an expert on, given you wrote a book about it. Let's start with sustainability. Sustainability clearly is a priority for chief executives and boards, but we have to recognize not without controversy, particularly in the U.S., where the ESG discussions and lots of pushback are saying, hey, some of the institutional investors, you cannot tell me how to run my company. That's my job to be an operator. But more and more leaders, I think, look the way, the way I look at it, and many of our guests look at it, is a pragmatic approach of the umbrella of sustainability, not the slice of ESG. So, so what do I mean? The umbrella of sustainability is looking at water, education, healthcare, pragmatic approaches to grow revenue, to create efficiencies and cut costs. Do that in the communities in which we and our supply chains operate. So I think there's a, been a big shift of pragmatism, probably less pushback in Europe than in America, but a pragmatic approach as people think about food and energy and how other resources are affected by climate change or this umbrella of sustainability. And a great example is talking to the president and CEO of Yara International, Sven Torrey Holsettler, who talked about a redefining moment when he attended the 2015 climate conference in Paris. He'd just become CEO of Yara. If you don't know it, Yara is the world's leading crop nutrition company, and they're literally, literally responsible for half the world's food production. I made the decision then that we need to think completely different. We need to be a step ahead of this. So I went back to the board and said, we have a strong foundation, but everything will change. We, we, we need to think about the, the climate in context of our, our business model. And that was the start of a, a journey for our company that lasted about a year uh, to uh, redefine everything. We, we ended up with a new mission, a new vision, new values, and a strategy built on the sustainable development goals with broad involvement in the organization and, of course, several discussions with the, with the board as well. So it was truly uh, a redefining moment for me as a, as a leader. Sustainability cannot just be something that you're doing on the side to cover up for all the bad things you're doing or all the missions and so on. It has to be relevant. So that was a fascinating story. But I have to say, I mean, it's one thing to get your board and your executive team to align on a new vision around sustainability. And that's not an easy thing to do, as Sven described, but it's an entirely different challenge to get nations around the world with very different political agendas to agree and act on a single plan. So do you remember, Clark, when we spoke to Dr. Ngozi, the Director General of the World Trade Organization, and she had the massive task of getting all 164 countries in the WTO to agree on a global trade and climate change regulation and reform? I mean, that's crazy. That's huge. Trying to solve problems of the global commons. If you think about it, the pandemic, climate change, even international security, there is no one country that can solve climate change or member uh, on its own of the pandemic. It needs global solidarity, people coming together. Dr. Ngozi is a perfect example of how sustainability has to start with the leader and their vision for change, the clarity of where they're trying to go and why. And they're willing to make the bold decisions, not only about a bottom line, but what's the company's impact in the world? It's the clarity of vision and then the leadership to execute against the vision. 
Absolutely. And she showed that she's really committed to this critical goal, knowing that actually it's going to have an impact on the entire world for all of us. And another great guest who, who made that kind of bold decision and then executed was Fika Zabesma. Until recently, Fika was the CEO at Royal DSM. Fika led the transformation of the company from a mining and chemicals company to a biotech and nutrition company. Talk about redefining, reinventing, you know, the, the core business of the company, complete reinvention. But Fika didn't just stop there. His vision was not just to reinvent and grow the company, but make it more sustainable at the same time, create new revenues, new profits, and operate sustainably. He summed it up saying, we're going to do well by doing good. But what it really proves is profitability and sustainability can work hand in hand together. That's the pragmatism that we talk about and, and we also talk about in the book. We define leadership as you need to have a vision. You need to be connected with your people in the world. You need to implement that vision by being decisive and then generate results and develop people, et cetera, et cetera, all the leadership characteristics. But for me, the whole leadership journey starts with insight, insight in yourself, in your strengths and weaknesses, insight in the people you work with, and insight in the world you operate in. Yeah, I think FICA makes a great point here. Leaders need to have a vision and then they need to communicate that vision really clearly for the teams to be successful. And what's key to both creating and executing that vision, which he talked about, is having an insight or rather having a clear understanding of that purpose. And his comment about starting with insight, for me at least, is spot on for leaders to better understand themselves and how they define their purpose. Nanaz, you nailed it. You know, purpose, which I think can be either overused or maybe now semi-forgotten, I think purpose is essential for leaders to develop a strong culture. For another of our guests this year, having a strong purpose was critical to achieving success in the incredibly competitive restaurant industry, where success is failure is just a razor-thin difference. He goes to great lengths to surpass customer expectations on a daily basis. Renowned restaurateur and author, Will Gadara, shares an incredible story about the birth of what he calls unreasonable hospitality when he overheard a table of customers visiting from out of town. They said the one food they hadn't gotten in their trip was a hot dog from a New York City street vendor. So what will do? He ran outside, bought hot dogs, brought it back to the chef and said, make this incredible and let's go serve it to this table. A hot dog in a four-star restaurant is sacrilegious until you look at the way that it made them feel because it was specific to them. Now, that's all well and good. It's what happened next that defined our culture and got us to the top. I met with the team and told them about that experience and gave them permission and the resources to start doing the same kind of thing for their guests. I backed that up with a budget and I hired someone onto the team whose only responsibility was to help them bring those ideas to life. This is where a lot of leaders fall short. They come up with a great idea. They give their team the idea, but then they don't back it up with the resources to make it a plausible part of the, the culture. So, Clark, do you remember when we spoke with Kat Cole, the COO and president of Athletic Greens? She was someone else who was as obsessed as Will in staying close to the action and really understanding the customer point of view on a daily basis. Building a culture around that where that is healthy and not reaching to uh, an approach where it's unhealthy, which would look like 
me doing someone else's job for them because I'm reaching around and disempowering. The key is to use that knowledge to actually then anchor and lead and create that similar obsession with today's customer, not not the report that came out last year, not the feedback session we did or the focus group two quarters ago today. The world just moves so fast and our customers are on a journey and we come in and out of their lives. But for many of them, we stay in their lives. And so understanding how that changes uh, is critical. And so for me, the key is building a culture where people are generally equally obsessed with staying close to the action. So then the natural layers of leadership can play their part as opposed to having it imbalanced or feel like micromanagement or mistrust. As we talked about in this podcast with past guests, a key aspect of culture is diversity. Diversity of opinions, diversity of reactions. And this includes making sure you've got people with different opinions, which eliminate silos across the organization. Collaboration is key, Clark, right? Because it's ultimately collaboration that can lead to new and better ideas, which ultimately result in better customer experiences. Absolutely true, Nanaz. I remember a conversation with the CEO of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Max Holine, who talked about how he uses diverse voices in his company to improve the experience for those who visit the museum. So it applies across all industries and organizations, nonprofit, for-profit, government, whatever it might be. Museums mm. tended to speak with one voice, meaning like, okay, I'm the docent and I'm telling you how you need to see it. The reality is that also within our institution, we sometimes can't even agree on something. That's exactly what we should tell people. We can't agree. It's, it's so complex. So we have three different eminent scholars and they just have very different perspectives. So this idea of a multiplicity of voices and, and, and various perspectives uh, is really important. And even for our audiences, sometimes it's more interesting to tell them what we don't know than always only telling them what we know. When we think about what drives our organizations and what really energizes people, it's purpose, right? And our guests often talk about that, but it's not just about the purpose today. It's about the legacy that we leave behind. Emily Chang, who, when we spoke to her, she was the CEO of McCann World Group in China. She is now with Wonderman Thompson's. She had a fascinating view of purpose and legacy when we talked with her about her book, The Spare Room. She shared her concept of social legacy, which if you remember, she defined it as being committed to leave something better than what you found. So the model is really simple. If you can define your offer, and I believe there's power to words, whether it is defining what you want in your career, whether it is defining what you want to do in this job that you have right now, or whether it is in defining your social legacy, you define your offer and your fence and that intersection, the social legacy is what you want to leave behind. So as she says, purpose is truly at the core of an organization. It shapes the culture. It energizes the people to act in ways that ultimately really benefit the business and which ultimately lead to continued growth and innovation. Speaking of innovation, one guest we spoke with this year had innovation at the core of his career and his business. The co-founder of First Mode, Chris Voorhees, solves seemingly impossible problems on earth and in space. His company's tagline, which I love, it's so incredibly powerful. It says, we build the barely possible to overcome the barely solvable. How much could you believe in that company's purpose? And it demands innovation. It demands thinking outside the box 
to overcome the barely solvable. Well, not only was it one of the most fun ones, I have to say for me, it was one of the most intimidating ones, Clark. I mean, it's not every day that you have to talk to an actual rocket scientist and appear somewhat smart in comparison. I couldn't believe it either, Nanaz. I loved coming home and saying, I actually did Q&A with a rocket scientist today. But Chris talked about his work to bring sustainability to one of the dirtiest industries on the planet, the mining industry. He and the team took on a challenge to redesign the power system of these huge, massive mining trucks to create the world's largest zero-emission fuel cell electric vehicle. Can you imagine? It's like taking three Suburbans and putting them on top of each other. He also talked about his previous job working on the Mars Spirit and Opportunity rovers and how he approached the challenge of building something that would operate in a planet that humans have never been to. Talk about the barely solvable. If you have to do something, you use the best information you've got. You use the best analogs that you can find. And we didn't really know very much. And so we had to come up with the best guesses we could. Mm. And that sounds frightening, but at at some point you have to take your best guess. Mm. The best choice or the easiest choice is no choice at all. You could just choose to wait for better information or wait for more information. And the real beautiful thing was that we couldn't. Um, Celestial mechanics drove the deadline. It's like you can't slip a month. If you slip a month, you have to wait 26 months to go to Mars again. Imagine that. Imagine, Clark, if we worked in a business where if we miss our deadline to launch a product or in our case, close a deal, we'd have to wait another whole two years to try again. In Chris's case, the team had a very, very small window of time when planetary conditions were just right for the rocket to launch. And, you know, what he said is basically by focusing on that deadline to make sure that the decisions were made at the right time, the team avoided paralysis by analysis. They really didn't in us. And I have to say, I wrote in my book a chapter on moonshotters, and it was not um, written about Chris Voorhees. But Moonshotters is about people who say we've got to take action, even though we may not have all the answers, just like Chris's work at at NASA. They acted, they moved. And that's juxtaposed with what I call the hundred percenters, those that need all the data. They need to know all the answers before they can decide to move ahead. And guess what? They mostly don't move ahead, whereas the Moonshotters go for it. Maybe the next book, we'll call it Mars Shotters instead of Moonshotters. (laughs) Fantastic. And look, we deal with a lot of boards that have to make decisions all the time without having the full data. So one person that we spoke to who is the master of cutting through complexity and making tough decisions, not having all the data, is author, advisor, and CEO whisperer, Ram Sharan. He really is a CEO whisperer. He's guided dozens of companies through incredible business challenges. And I took a lot of notes because he shared some incredible advice about maximizing the value of your board. Most boards don't really know the business in depth. They can't. Six board meetings a year, four board meetings. So the idea here is the CEO has to take the initiative to have the board members understand the business. Many of the board members will love to do that and not this PowerPoint one-hour discussion with mumbo-jumbo of accounting, they don't really get it. Some do, most cannot do that. And so here is the first item. They should have a 12-month agenda. 
CEO and chairman of committees should design what is the 12 month agenda, how it will be done, what time allocation, what preparation. You know, Clark, that is one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast is when we have guests that are willing to share career advice that either they've received or they've kind of figured out as they look back on their own careers. My favorite one actually was Fika's example, which is not too dissimilar to yours of perseverance, right? When he wanted his first job and they kept saying, no, you're not qualified. He just kept at it, went on, went on, went on, refused to accept no and got the job. We both learned persistence wins early on. That's how we got here. Maybe that's how it keeps us here. I agree, Nanaz. And as many listeners might tune into Redefiners to think about navigating their own career paths, we thought it might be helpful to condense and compile the best piece of advice we heard the whole season. So we're going to start with Chris Voorhees talking about the advice that helps him solve the impossible. One of the things that I've learned from mining and metals is this concept that they call social license to operate. And what social license to operate means is uh, you could have all of the permits, you could have all of the money, you could have all of the authorizations, you could have all of the people, and you still might not get your mind to operate because the people around it may just tell you no. I guess what I took away from that was that community is an interface for that system. It's a critical one. If you don't, you could have the best widget ever, but no one will ever use it. Mm. Um, you could have the best technical solution, but it will never get adopted. Uh, you could have the best idea, but it could have the exact opposite result. And, and while that's once again, not as fun to think about as making the thing and engineers love to make things. If it's, not, if it's not actually doing what you wanted it to do, maybe you should think about doing something else. Kat Cole then talked about continuous learning and using the past as a guide, but not letting it limit you. Don't forget where you came from, but don't you ever let it solely define you. And I further go on to interpret the advice as our truth is in our roots, but our past should not be our anchor. And I apply that to myself, constant growth, my businesses, my relationship. I think Ram Sharan had one of the more memorable quotes of the year with his career advice. Common sense is very uncommon, but many people have to learn how to observe human behavior. Will Gadara shared the advice that his father gave him that still drives him today. My dad gave me a paperweight when I was a kid. I still have it on my desk to this day. What would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? He always encouraged me to answer that question honestly, saying that many don't for fear that if they say their most audacious goal out loud and fail to achieve it, they'll let themselves and those around them down. But if you don't have the confidence and conviction to say your biggest goal out loud, it's very unlikely you'll achieve it. And Fika talked about why it's so important to look inside yourself to determine the best path for you. Try to keep the noise out and think about who you are, what you want to be, and how you best get there. You've got your body and your mind only once in your life. Find out what is in there. Unwrap the gift that you are yourself, your mind, your body, your heart. Find out who you are with your strengths, your weaknesses, your passions, and try to develop something which you think fits with you. Incredible advice. Incredible advice we can all learn from, no matter where we are at different points in our career. 
Well, Clark, that wraps up the first half of season three of Redefiners. If you want to hear more of the conversations with our guests, you can always listen to the full Redefiners episodes to dig a bit deeper. We're grateful, I have to say. It's such a gift to talk with such incredible leaders, change makers, and we've learned from them, been inspired by them. I, I hope you all have as well as listeners. But before we go, as many listeners know, this is Nanaz's last episode, though I really don't want to let her go. We're going to try and bring her back for special appearances, as we should. You've been a great partner, a great co-pilot in this journey when we figured out what this podcast could be, and then, and then we delivered. So more power to you, what you're doing for the firm in London and in healthcare globally. Thanks so much for everything you've done for this podcast at Redefiners. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for your kind words, Clark. I have learned so much from you, working with you and working with all our guests. It's been a real privilege. And like I said, I look forward to walking down the Redefiners memory lane when uh, you're over in London, maybe with a glass or two of wine. Nas, I'd love to take you up on it. Next time I'm in London, the first round's on you. Fear not, everyone, though. We are not done yet. As you know, I'll be joined by Hoda Tahoon for the second half of season three with even more amazing guests, some great conversations, some great learnings, so more to come. Stick with us. On behalf of Clark and myself, thank you for listening to Redefiners and for joining us on our journey to explore how global leaders are redefining what it means to lead in today's increasingly complex world. Until next time, all the best. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Redefiners. For more dynamic insights from leaders from across industries and around the world, listen to Redefiners wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more or get in contact with us, visit our website at russellreynolds.com, find us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter at RA on Leadership. See you next time.